Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, it's the 90s. Yeah, not, it is. It, it's not really the 90s anymore. Oh, it. We're, we're talking about clacks, of course. But, you know, how would you complete that sentence in, in, your, in the life of Aaron? You know, it's the 90s. It's the time for what? Work. <laughs> work. I remember working on, you know, it's funny. I never was a big fan of the 90s, Bo, to be you honest You didn't like the you. 80s much either. You always well, talk turn, about the something. 80s. I have turned the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you learn, because I, the things I did the 90s, I may never be able to do again. You know, so I I do miss them. When you think yeah, about the 90s, I mean, what were some of the highlights of the 90s for you? You know, I graduated high school in 89. Mm-hmm. Okay, Right at the cusp. That's right. And then uh, I spe- I remember having a really nice summer of 89 and then started college and just nosediving my college career like few men can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't just sort of like I didn't take the airplane and skim the ground. I mean, I just drove it as, at full speed into into the concrete. But I did rebound. I ended up getting a degree and uh, started my career. You know, and it spent the majority of the of the nineties working at IBM. It was a great time. We worked all night. We uh, uh, we had I had three or four day weeks. So it was it was a combination of working and just running amok for you know for pretty much the entire rest of the decade. So I ended up having a pretty good time. Uh, so I guess that's what I remember it for. You know, working and having a good time and establishing myself. What, what about you? Well, you know, we have there's there's a bit of an age difference between us. And uh, had to bring that up, you know, in 1989, I was nine. I was eight years old. So I started the 90s as a nine year old. OK. Yeah. So if you think about the time period in your life and anybody's life from the time when they're nine until when they're 18, which was basically the entire decade of the 90s, uh, everything was new. You know, that's when that's when for me, the big highlights were, uh, you know, getting real into video games. The nineties were the time when I, when I really, really got committed into playing video games, uh, which, you know, I don't know if that's something I should be too proud of, but, uh, you know, joining, it is. joining the, joining the band. That was when I first picked up an instrument, you know, in sixth grade, joining the high school band was a huge thing for me. Cause that was the first time I really had like a big group of friends. Uh, and, uh, that's when I met the Brent and, uh, all the, the same wow. sort of the, the crew that we still hang with to this day. Um, and of course, the 90s was when I started college. You know, I, I graduated in 1999 and uh, and uh, and entered into sort of my pseudo adult life. So uh, the 90s every year was like a decade. You know, when you're young, that's the way it is versus the 2000s. I mean, I could probably sum up the 2000s in three words. So uh, it was a, it was a, it, it was a good time. I, I, I recall the '90s with a certain amount of fondness. A lot of a lot of nights at the skate arena. When was the last time you were physically at the skate arena? 
It would have been well. It would have been before the nineties. I can tell you that. You right you, now. Did, you did not set foot in the skate arena in the nineties. No, no, I wasn't in town. If you'll recall, I mean, pretty much, I went to Marshall and then I left. I spent a couple years at school, but I was out of here by ninety three. I was okay. gone. Well, so. I didn't know that in the early nineties you were still sort yeah. of hanging around. One of those shady older cats. Well. No, you know what those? No, you I know at the skate arena, arena, there's always one or two older guys that are sort of out of place. They can skate backwards, and they feel like yeah, that's really that's cool. cool. It is cool. You know, I can skate backwards, but not voluntarily. Hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I, the last time I was in the skate arena, probably '86, something wow. like that, way back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't go skating. The last time I went skating frequently was when we were, when I was going to Wednesday night church. You know that, or hey, I you know that was a long time ago. Mm. So yeah, I, 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 skating this there wasn't my bag. You know, I, I enjoyed it going there, but I wasn't what I would call a proficient skater. Yeah, I, versus me, I was at the skate arena literally every Friday night uh, between eighth and tenth grade, probably. So you know, it's funny to think about it. So the skate arena was pretty big deal for you in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, like it was such. I never think it was being that differently aged. I really don't. Even though you mock me, and, and by the way, it all come back to haunt you. But <laughs> uh, uh, in the 90s, while you were at the skate arena, man, I was breaking in to learn how to run a uh, a production line at IBM, mm-hmm. to learn how to do complex repair, to you know see people, I mean, just go to parties that were just unbelievable, like TV-like parties that I'd never been to in my life. Uh, to uh, see things I never thought I'd see, the big city time. You know, it was a real eye opener to go down there. The diversity and the uh, uh, it was it really truly. But you had to sort of become an adult. Although it's funny, you become an adult by acting like a bigger, stupider kid. <laughs> That's pretty much, and that never really stopped. But yeah, the nineties were a good time, and then they, you know, everyone was anticipating the year two thousand and what mm-hmm. would happen, and then the two thousand sort of came and just kind of skipped along and. Here we are. You know, That's I'll tell right. you one thing. Twenty People years later, say, no one's going to say, "Yeah, the two, the two, the twenty twenties just came by and skipped along." No one's going to say <laughs> that. They're going to be like, "We hit a roadblock." It's like twenty twenty. Well, so it goes, so it goes. Well, I'll tell you, Aaron, I'll tell you what's awesome in twenty in the twenty twenties, and that's everythingamiga.com. We have a brand right. new article up this week. Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on over there on the site? We got a we got a good buddy, Boat, a good friend of ours. He's been one of our uh, compatriots, buddies, booze providers, and all around good eggs for many years. That's our good buddy Graham W. Vebke. Mm-hmm. Graham is a lot of things, but one of the things he is is a, a, an advocate for the Sharp X sixty eight thousand uh, computer from Japan. Now, uh, if you are a gamer, or maybe you're just someone that dabbled around in various. Uh, in these various em- emulation collections, you'll probably know about the sixty-eight thousand because it's got—it's uh, always in there, and it's always got a great batch of games. Uh, the sixty-eight thousand was known for its real high-quality arcade ports, and uh, it's just an overall powerful system. Expensive to import now, but there was probably a time where you could get these things pretty cheap. But those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham. Uh, takes and pretty much writes this thing up like i mean full specs he goes through all the different hardware issues and uh it goes into the little power problem which thing has which i have read about that and then he goes into uh the operating system of the os and then he gets into his games his favorite games uh the games that he thinks are honorable mentions it's funny i've played quite a few of these in fact we, we did one of the games he picked final fight we did on arg when we did sixty eight thousand. 
Uh, but man, this thing's got some top quality games. Yeah. Code. Yeah. And it, uh, it's, it's sort of like, you know, the best of the eight and the 16 bit systems combined uh, with a yeah. bunch of arcade ports thrown in, in into the mix. Um, this is a system that, of course, never made an appearance here. But if it did. I can't help but think that it would have dominated just because of the, the at least in the gamer scene, just because of the variety and, and the scope of the game. So, I, yeah. you know, this is a system that I'd love to have. But like you said, they, they are not cheap. This is an in-depth article, by the way. I mean, aside from all the technical aspects of it, he put, even, he's even got a uh, area with with art from the from the box arts and whatnot. Uh, you can tell Graham is a, is a big fan. Uh, <clears throat> this is an easy emulated uh, emulated system. I remember tooling around uh, in in the what effectively was the 68000s DOS, and then it's effectively what it was its Windows. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I have had much more trouble with other systems than this. This, this thing's not that tough to fiddle with hmm. uh, at at the end of the day. So it's one that's worth checking out if you have one of these packaged emulation uh, outfits. The 68,000 is always in there. Go through there and try some games. I think you'll dig it. Uh, but yeah, this is a great article. Check it out over at everythingamiga.com. Good stuff. All right. And that's going to wrap things up on the site. But we always have some hot, hot, good God hot action over on the YouTube channel. Well said, Boat. Thank you. We do. We had a, we had a good week over on the channel. Let's start, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here, Boat. But uh, we started ARG Presents, and I remember having those sessions where we started to figure out what in God's name we were going to do. We wanted to do something. We didn't know what it was. We sort of combined a bunch of crazy ideas and came up with ARG. And that was 150 episodes ago. I think Brent said he took over at about 130. Uh, he took over and did 134 episodes. I think that's what he told me this mm-hmm. week. And so this was our 150th episode of ARG Presents. I'm pretty proud of that, I'll be honest with you, because this is a show that teetered on the edge of extinction more than a couple times. <laughs> and, and But the, but the break came in. I enjoy working with this uh, big, obnoxious jerk because he makes me look so much nicer. And so that's why I love Leno. The Brent's a good guy, and he really does. One thing Brent adds to the to the mix is he knows a lot more about this stuff than I do most of the time, and so it helps me when it's stuff like a we did the PlayStation this week, and it helps me to uh, to get a grip on the more modern stuff that I didn't, didn't have a real uh, big hand in. Uh, but uh, I want to congratulate the old the Brent. He's 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 been there for 130 episodes, and you too, Boat, for helping me put this thing together. We've had a lot of fun, and. Uh, Hopefully we'll get 150 more out of this bad boy. Well, I tell you, you know, I enjoy ARG every single week except for when you do uh, the Xbox. Well, it's funny because that was that's one of our more popular episodes, but so I'm sorry to say that Carmageddon uh, and all that. Carmageddon that wasn't I, on the Xbox. That yeah. was <laughs> no. You're thinking you're thinking oh, destruction, Derby. destruction Derby. Destruction Derby is what I'm thinking. Destruction. Are you sure you heard that episode? But I, pro- I, I don't really listen did. to the show. I got to be honest. Yeah, I didn't you. think so. I knew it. I knew it. Anyway, check us out. By the way, Brent played a really bizarre puzzle game that you reviewed on that. On that, that was a uh, One Piece Mansion. Yeah, what yeah. Is, check that out if you like quirky puzzle games. It's, it, yeah. it, it's. I don't want to say it's an all time classic, but it's definitely different. And I will say, uh, Ghost in the Shell was also had a really nice engine on. It, if you want to try that one as well. Uh, so, moving down the line, Boat, you want to? Why don't you give us the story on here? This is a double story on your getaway video. Yeah. So you know, every now and again, I like to just post some videos. Uh, with no commentary, just so people can see some gameplay of an upcoming game that we're going to be covering. And uh, here, before too long, we're going to be ramping up the 1200XL podcast for yet another episode. And we're going to be covering uh, Getaway by Mark Reed. Mark Reed is a local 
uh, at least for many years, he was a local. Uh, he lived uh, in the uh, in the Amigo Studios area in Charleston, West Virginia. And so I just uh, I, I played a couple rounds of Gateway or Getaway. This is nothing on what some of our Discord community members have done in terms of score. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a neat way to see the game. If you are a, an Atari computer fan, I highly recommend you check this out. And don't be sure not to miss uh, our next episode of 1200XL where we talk about it. Did you, am I mistaken, or did you actually ask this guy for some high point, high score tips? I didn't ask him for high score tips. Or I asked what him what his, his high was. score was. Yeah. That's and right. he and, and he told me that he honestly doesn't remember. He said that he remembers <laughs> that you know he was always trying to get to the end stage of the game, but he never really paid attention to his score, which is seems you know crazy to me. But yeah. you know, as a programmer, I guess that you're just trying to test to make sure that your game actually you can get to the end without it locking up. I bet that dude's tickled that the game's still getting played. I'm yeah, he is. He's he's very happy about it. We we continue to change uh, exchange emails, and uh, I will definitely send him the link to the the new show and uh, and 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 uh, and get his feedback on that. Very good, very good, Boaster. So, oh look who's here! Oh. <laughs> I know this guy. It's Jack Flack, everybody. This I watched. I was here for this stream. I catch a lot of these streams because they're always entertaining. This was the. Uh, Jack Flack, Sprite Castle, Star Wars Spectacular. Mm. So, and let me tell you something, uh, Boat. I've heard uh, that. I've heard that that Flack. He, he's he's sort of a Star Wars fan a little bit. Oh my god! <laughs> you know you've got to see. I, he did a he did a little photo of his room. Look at this thing. Mm-hmm. This is this is his house. This is like house? a store. This is Jack Flack's house. His old house. Look at this. I want you to see this rack he's got. Uh, in here he does Look have a this. nice rack i've always thought this. that that's his house <laughs> that's his house he's got 400 million action figures the the amount of cash that must have been spent on this stuff he also has pictures of him visiting some star wars like exhibits he went like yeah he went Houston. to the the big the ranch el rancho obi-wan yeah. or whatever look so. at all this stuff boat have you ever collected anything so uh uh obsessively as Jack Flack has. No, but for the sole reason I've never had that much spare cash. If I did, you better believe I'd have some sort of esoteric collection of, uh, you know, things on racks like you're walking into a store. I, I, you know, as a kid, I I always dreamed about having a collection where you'd walk in and it would literally look like a store. And that's what Flack's done. You know, when you've got action figures five deep on pegs, you know, still sealed, that's that's saying something right there. Keep in mind that this is from his old home. In his new home, I have no doubt that he will have the most magnificent collection uh, of Star Wars stuff uh, neatly oriented in the most beautiful way imaginable. So this yes. is this, it's the be- by the way, these little figures right here, I had some of these. I don't even Wars. know what those are. Are those They're are they little, is that like, muscle? They're little like faux Star Wars like plastic figurines. They're like they sort of Star Wars rip-offs. I had some of these and I what I didn't I didn't even notice until I'd forgotten about them until he started showing them off. Oh, by the way, he also played some games on this stream. <laughs> uh, he actually, I watched him suffer through uh, Return of the Jedi on the Commodore. Oh, one other thing I want to mention. You know, I, I, again, I'm late. To the, I'm tardy at the party on the C64. He showed a freaking C64 Star Wars demo on here that freaking brought down the house. Mm. I couldn't believe this demo boat. So that's something else to check into if you if you know about that stuff. Very good. Yeah, Always yeah. And uh, if you want to check out Flack Live, feel free to uh, follow him over on the Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Rob O'Hara. Uh, he streams every Wednesday night, Wednesday evening. I believe it's 8 p.m. Central Time. So uh, check him out live. Join in the chat. It, it, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by, and we also should mention that uh, I believe uh, yesterday the new uh, release for You Don't Know Flack came out, and he's doing it on The Mist. The Mister. So, yeah, The, the Mister, Mister, excuse me. And so if you're interested in that, and I'm going to hear you, but I'm dying to hear it. Yeah, I'm going to be listening to that for this for sure this weekend. Speaking of something that just got released, they uh, the past week the, the new Pixel Gaiden's come out, and I'm so pleased, pleased as punch, to see our boy Sanction. Tim has tea time with Tim on stream right here. This is this is one of the first Pixel Gaiden streams. Mm-hmm. And there he is, the man himself in all of his glory. He's got his tea time mug down there. Yeah. And here he is. He's demonstrating the Kung Fu Flash uh, for the C64. He does a bunch of stuff with it, and then he gets into some action here. Uh, some d- interesting uh, C64 stuff here. I watched I watched this uh, as well. I didn't get to see it live, but I got to watch it uh, after the fact. It was real entertaining. Uh, I'm glad to see that the Sanction and the boys are taking that next uh, step into the land of streaming. Glorious, but mm-hmm. it makes me happy. And I'm, I'm even more excited that we get uh, access over here on our channel to show uh what Pixel Gaiden gets up to with their I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last Pixel Gaiden related content we're going to see either. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's going to be plenty more. I know that for sure. So, great stuff. I'm happy to see it. Please check these guys out and check out Pixel Gaiden's podcast. Always top shelf. Always enjoy it. All right. Moving down the line, Boaster. Look at this. I think this is a Herm Firm right here, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It's Derby Day for the ZX Spectrum as played by our good buddy Hermski. Another another hit. You know what they Herm. call Derby in, in England? What, what do they call it? Darby. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I, I, isn't it more like Darby? No, it's, it's, like it's, what? it's more like, well, there's a town. And here's, actually, there, this, is, this has always sort of been a mystery to me because there's a place in England called Darby. And I, yeah, and, and, but that, I don't yeah. know if they actually call like a horse race a derby or if it's like a hurricane hurricane thing where the storm is a hurricane. And if you live in a redneck town, it's hurricane. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Hey, did both have we played this derby day? This seems awful familiar to me. No, we, we played. Have, I think we played another horse racing game. We played the on one the that's based on the actual place that it was held. Yeah, right, right. I, yeah. Because that had a top-down perspective. Yeah. If you'll remember, this is a uh, this is derby day. I like the fact that he says like his family gets gathered around. Yeah, I love that. I just love the fact. I love the idea that a bunch of people are betting on these fake horses. It's great. Your horses. I just think it's awesome. Okay, Pixels uh, of Dawn, he says it's all Darby. It's all there you Darby. Go. Thank you, Pix, for saving the day. Grand National, thank you, Hermsky. Hermsky in the chat. Good mm-hmm. job, Hermsky. And Flax in here. Good job, Flack. So if you want to watch some uh, some wacky horse racing action on the old ZX, I urge you to check out Hermsky. Hermsky's been cranking it out here recently. The good yeah, man, stuff. and he's got some stuff lined up that's going to blow you away. I can tell we're you. We're happy that. to have we're happy to have him on the channel as well. Uh, it's like an all star cast boat, and then we kind of shuffle in. Yeah, uh, we're we're sort of sorry, ready. guys. Yeah, we'll try to pick it up. <clears throat> um, lastly, here, oh man, so here's another one. Good lord, it's our good buddy Frodo. Now I didn't get to see this one, but I've caught some of his other uh, streams on the ColecoVision. And here he goes. The Coleco is new to Frodo. And Mm so he's discovering the wealth, the wealth and girth of awesome titles in the ColecoVision. And you get to watch him discover them. And that's what makes it great. 
this is like the third or fourth round he's played with the Kalika, but he's going through all of them. And I know for a fact that on this particular stream, he plays Jungle Hunt. He plays uh, Mr. Do. He also played Mr. Do's Castle. Uh, some of my favorites. I love, yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of Mr. Do. Mr. Do's Castle. Castle think, one of the all-time greats. Yeah, It is. It really is. I, I Ladybug. Actually, that isn't Ladybug. I don't know what game that was that you just had on there. That what was, what uh, is that? I don't know. Geez. Is that Mousetrap? Mousetrap. That That's is? what it is. It's Mousetrap. Good call. Good call. How about me? Remembering yeah. something. It had to happen eventually. Uh, so anyway, oh, he had this minor 24-niner. All kinds of great Coleco action. And uh, Frodo has a way. He's got a way about him. And it's you, he's got a magnetic, uh, magnetic personality. You just want to watch him play games. It's awesome. I ho- highly suggest uh, you sign up for Frodo's uh, Twitch Watch this stuff live, but if you can't catch it live, Frodo uh, uploads one of these a week to the channel uh, for your viewing pleasure. This mm-hmm. is a good time. Get you a cold one, kick back and relax. That's the way I like to do it. So kudos to the Frodo. Good stuff there. I think, Boatster, that's all we've got video-wise. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, your show with Neil this week? Well, this week we have not yet uh, released our show, but I believe that by the time, dear listener, that you hear this show uh, on on the radio, aka on your podcatcher, you will he- uh, the, the show will be released. Uh, we had a bit of a delay this week because we are in the midst of releasing our first ever video enabled this week in retro. Ooh, fancy. And uh, we have enlisted the help of intrepid video producer Duncan Styles, the one and only the Dunk. The Dunks uh, involved? Jo- yeah, Holy he's joined smokes. the team, and uh, he he has really put together a package that is is very, very impressive. Um, this week on, on uh, Tor, we talked about Tor kind of sounds like not a very good acronym. Maybe I should just say this week in retro. Um, this... Oh, we, uh, I was what you were talking about. It's like twer. <laughs> twer. What the hell is that? Twer. That doesn't sound good either. Give it up. We talked about uh, Mega Doom, Aaron. This is a uh, Doom. Check this out, okay? So they tried to put Doom on the Mega Drive, all right? It did not go well. So they never released it, all right? So what they did was they put out a version on the 32X. It was great, okay? However, yeah. they've recently released uh, Doom on the Mega Drive. And get this, Aaron. You can only play it with an EverDrive cart because it uses the chips on the EverDrive cart itself to power Doom. Okay, so like all of the speed and the textures and stuff, the Mega Drive CPU can't handle it, but the EverDrive does all the heavy lifting. How wacky is that? Uh, that's wacky. Does that count? I don't even. I don't even. What? What? What would you call that? Listen. You can't say this is for the Mega Drive. It requires. Requires another piece of hardware. I don't know. I, I don't I mean, know. I'm, I'm not here to make that call. What's the difference between that and 32x? I, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that it's, it's out. If you've got an EverDrive for your Mega Drive, uh, you can go to town and play some Doom. Uh, you know, we talked I, about. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've got a, a, a one of those, so we may have to give that a whirl. But... Yeah, man. Yeah, because there's there hasn't been a lot of coverage on that, so I think I think you should definitely check that out. Yeah, man. Um, we talked about how the retro computing hobby has gone mainstream here, and there has been an article in both. The Times, I believe it's the Times of London, as well as the New York Times, uh, talking about the rise of retro computing as a hobby. And the Times article actually featured the one and only Neil RMC himself, Aaron. Oh, my. So, uh, so yeah. Him. 
And we talked about you just how, you know, rising prices are affecting the hobby, all that stuff. Um, we talked about uh, the, there's a new mouse in town, uh, the, the Mouster project, uh, which allows you to connect any uh, USB mouse to a DB9 port. Uh, so you can use it with whatever retro machine you have. And finally, we talked about a new project uh, overclocking the Super FX chip for the Super Nintendo. So lots of stuff going on in the world of retro this week. <laughs> that's, that, why would I would be scared to death to do that? <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, it's I'd funny because th- there have been attempts in the past to overclock the chip. And basically what it leads to is just like unplayable games because you start overclocking the chip and the games just run so fast. So what this guy is, he's, he's figured out is how to actually time it with the Super Nintendo CPU. So the games run at a faster frame rate, but don't actually increase the speed of the chip. So it's pretty interesting. There hasn't been too much released yet in terms of this particular project. It's just kind of a Patreon page and some sketches on a napkin, but uh, there might be something coming down the pike in terms of that. Uh, Very strange, Boaster. Yeah, yeah. So you can check all that stuff out over on This Week in Retro. All right, Aaron. It's been long enough. It's time to talk about this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron, straight out of the docket, we've got news from our own community member, Level Lord. You know, Level Lord received, he's here in these in the in, in the great United States. Level Lord originally hailing from Serbia. He's made the move to the United States now. Really? Serbia? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, awesome. or, yeah, absolutely. And so he he now lives in the Midwest and he received an Amigo 4000. I believe that he traveled many a mile to pick this thing up. When he got it, it was in rough shape. And he searched far and wide for somebody to recap this thing and, and clean it up. And he finally found this guy in Holland. Uh, there's this guy, his name, you can find him over at tsb.space. And he actually has a uh, blog post where he uh, he went through and um, recapped and cleaned this board up and sent it back to Level Lord. And uh, Level Lord received it, and apparently all is well. So I know that it can be an issue finding quality people to recap, especially, you know, these bigger, you know, big box Amiga boards. This guy apparently knows what he's doing. He's in Holland. You can ship your stuff to him. Get in touch with him over at tsb.space, and he can set you up. You know, I just I want to take a minute to talk about this because I'm looking at these uh, screenshots, and this is the first time I've seen this page. I, I Level Lord posted them in Discord, so I'd heard about this project. As someone who did a ton of circuit board repair, right? When you see stuff like these, uh, uh, these uh, sim sockets here that you're pulling these off, for example, this is some heady, heady stuff right here. Back in the day, we'd use something called a solder pot to get those off because it liquefies all the solder under at once. So otherwise, you're sitting there with a solder sucker pulling those out with that big, thick ground plane. Nightmare fuel. Mm. Just You could screw the board up just trying to fix it by pulling mm. that kind of crap off, right? Then you're looking at stuff like this. I saw one of these here. There's a lifted pad uh, on a chip right here. Uh, that no fun because you're laying down fresh land. Like all these, see all these via holes right here? Anything that's not connected, you have to replace those holes. That ain't no fun either, brother. I can tell you that right now. So I don't know what this guy got. I don't know what this guy in Holland got paid. But I mean, the amount of intensive, creepy, scary labor that would be involved in fixing something like this, I wouldn't even put a price on it. There's no way I would have touched it. So good for him. 
Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. definitely get that guy's name out there because something tells me there's going to be a lot of people banging down this guy's door for some of that sweet action. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully we'll hear more from Level Lord about the 4,000 because I know yeah. that he's been itching to get into it. And congratulations to the double L. Good for him, man. I'm glad to see you got that sucker up and running. Yeah, man. Our next story, Aaron, comes to us from uh, the humble abode of Athlone. Actually, that's a lie. Amiga Ireland was not an Athlone this year. It was a virtual event. It was a virtual event. Apparently, it was great. I don't know. I was watching Coco Talk. But Amiga Ireland, I'm just kidding. Amiga Ireland uh, was a fantastic event this year. I saw some some screenshots of it. Uh, they it seemed like they had all the heavy hitters where they are a great crowd. And, and you know, as, as yeah. you saw the Zoom screen. I and, saw the lineup and it was like, hoy. And they have posted the creative competition results here online. So if you are interested in seeing all of the winners and then down at the bottom of the... the, I see some uh, familiar faces in here, by the way, Bo. Yeah. At the mod competition, I see Barkbit was in there on the uh, pixel art. Our Doug was in there. Doug. Getting it done. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out right now and say Barkbit got screwed because he he does not. I have not heard these other mods. I guarantee you that Barkbit did not deserve to get last place. We need to stop the steal and get Barkbit where he should be, right up at number one. Barkbit, I'm sorry, man. Back up for God's sakes. I got. I I don't know what the the mod. So this is the mods like. uh, Of course, stupid me. I was thinking modifying your Amiga, but now that I run this music, (laughs) so yeah, listen. I don't have to, what do I have to say? I use Bark Bits music on ARG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Mac Daddy of awesomeness. He's the man. So yeah. Yeah, he's great. So uh, yeah. of course we I also want to we want to congratulate um Amiga Love for winning the uh, pixel art competition. Uh we got Doug in there, oh, fourth yeah. place, a solid, yeah. a solid, uh, a solid entry there. Uh and in the 3D scene competition, our own, the Amiga Shows uh creator Anthony Jarvis with a submission called Tron Recognizer. Uh, he has won the 3D scene competition results. So solid efforts from everybody. Uh, you can download all of the mods and all of the art from uh, the link in the show notes, amigausers.ie. Of course, it's also the home of the Amiga Ireland podcast as well. A very good we, show. We love we love Amiga Ireland. Obviously, you've, you've been over there the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they, they did the best they could given the situation. So kudos to them. Kudos to all the guys that entered these competitions and won or placed. And uh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. We've, the Amiga Ireland guys have always been super nice to us, and we appreciate them. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Our final uh, entry of the day, speaking of Anthony Jarvis. Yes. Uh, he has released the third episode of the Amiga show. Uh, this has quickly become my favorite uh, Amiga-related broadcast, Aaron. Yes, uh, yes. I love everything about this. It like We were talking about this before the show. It looks like a VHS tape. You know, everything about it just sort of has this like uh, 80s or early 90s sensibility. And it's something that is not it's completely different than your your normal run of the mill YouTube video. You know, there's no fast cuts. There's nothing like that. It's 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 something that is entirely produced on an Amiga. And it's always worth your time. You know, these things always run about 30 minutes. What I like to do is pour myself a cold one, settle in, lean back in the recliner and just watch these things beginning to end. You know, we're very fortunate, Bode, because we we certainly couldn't say that when we kicked this, you know, when we started doing this show back in the day, because we just got lucky uh, that no one else was around. <laughs> mm-hmm. We sort of staggered in. But now there are, a, there are some great shows about the Amiga. Uh, and we, of course, we had uh, uh, Amiga Rama, which was great. I was sad to see that go as a podcast. 
course, we have Doug over ten uh, ten mark doing his fine fine show, and then this show comes into play. And it's t- and one thing I like about like for example Doug's show or this show or our show. I mean, they're totally different, right? Right, and they're about the same machine, you know, the same machine. That's what makes it great. Yeah, you know, uh, we focus on games. The, the you know, this I don't know what I mean. And both Doug and this show, they both focus on games, but it's a different way. And this show came out of nowhere for me. I mean, it just came out of nowhere, and the polish on it is off the charts. Uh, and you're right, this is sort of a set back, relax, and and just enjoy it. It, it, it creates an atmosphere that makes you feel like it's the mid '80s. And you're almost watching something that's modern at the mm-hmm. time. You know, it's 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 almost like you put a videotape in and and watch this thing unfurl in front of you. It's a glorious thing, uh, Boat. Yeah, I enjoy this show uh, immensely. And this week, uh, just to go over some of the stuff we had, like I mentioned to you off air, uh, we he talked about this gizmo that you hook to your Amiga and lets you hook a, a modern printer up to your Amiga, and it shows him printing out some stuff on the Amiga, which is cool. He goes into some uh, magazine stuff, which he always does. He also goes into uh, uh, his uh, adventures typing a basic program, and a couple didn't know about this extra version of basic that was around. Some beautiful artwork, which he always has on display. Some classic sort of like year one games that he found that are very interesting. He goes into those. Uh, I, all of it, all around a great atmosphere and a great show, and I strongly suggest that you check this out. Really, there's not an Amiga show where I'm going to be like, oh, that's crap. They're, they're great. So we're very fortunate as a community to have so many good shows coming out. So thumbs up, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. Now, before we get into this week's game of the week, uh, we got a couple things in the mail. This week's game of the week. Yeah, that I that I want to <laughs> that I want to share with with our, with our listeners. The first one comes, you know, it's it's sort of a tradition. We've been doing this show since 2015 and every year without fail. We always get a holiday postcard from O'Brien's Retro and Vintage. Uh, Jonas is a, a really, really great guy. Uh, he runs a retro shop over there in Norway, where we have uh, quite a quite a few buddies over there. O'Brien's.no, I believe, is the name of, of his uh, of his retro online shop. Um, and so, uh, you know, he he, he yeah. always finds the the, the best. Uh, you know, uh, Christmas cards to send us. And uh, this one arrived, of course, uh, late due to the troubles, as it were. Uh, but I wanted to thank Jonas for, uh, you know, another year of, uh, of, uh, of um, you know, just awesome time. So thank you, Jonas. And then yes. Aaron, in more Amiga related news, uh, I received a package straight from Arizona. This, of course, came from David over there in Arizona. This is, Aaron, the, the machine that is going to change my life. As you see behind me, I have the Amiga 1000 set up. Uh, it, is, it, it appears to be running, but of course it's not. It is, uh, there's, a, there's a Raspberry Pi hooked up to the monitor that's running, actually, ZX Spectrum games. I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is the GoTech device that is going to be powering the 1000 from here on out, okay? So this is a two-piece gimmick. Uh, you've got the, the, the bit that fits in the machine itself and then snaking out from the, uh, the disk drive, you have a, uh, this, this other guy here, this is a 3d printed box. Uh, I don't know if you can see this on the video, but he's actually printed boat of car on the box itself. So wow, I appreciate monogram. that. Uh, this has got one of those newfangled OLED screens on it. So I'll be able to quickly select the ADF of my choosing 
and of course the very very desirable rotary knob so i'll be able to quickly uh, select the adf of my choice dave so has fancy. apparently already outfitted this bad boy with uh, a, a flop or with a, a usb stick that is going to give me uh, all of the uh, ntsc adfs that my, my uh, a1000 requires I will be hooking this thing up tomorrow while I'm watching Coco Talk. I don't you know why I keep talking about that. Coco that'd Talk. Be good. That'd, be, that'd be good for a laugh. Oh, I, well, I, 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 might just turn, I might just turn on the camera while I'm doing it so you can see the sparks fly. Every time I open up an Amiga on camera, the magic smoke suddenly appears. I don't know what it is. But, uh, but anyway, a huge thank you to uh, David Z in AZ. Uh, this is a, a bang up job here that he's done he's he's hot glued things in place to make sure that i don't pull them out and change the wires around which i appreciate because i was almost tempted to just start pulling wires out of this thing as soon as i saw it i'm physically unable to do so now which is probably to its benefit all you can do now is just chew on it like you like to do (laughs) like the yeah like the gym stick baby you know along those lines i'm not going to get too fully into this but i uh, for those of you that know i also have an amiga 1000 i also have put a go tech in it and I have had quite an adventure uh, trying to get it to boot, <laughs> to, to, to work mm-hmm. this week. And so I came up with the world's stupidest workaround. I was talking about, the, I was showing it to Boat earlier. I've basically taken a uh, uh, one USB stick, and it's my Kickstart USB stick. I put it in the USB drive. Mm-hmm. I turn the Amiga on. It loads Kickstart. Then I pull that USB out, and then put the one in with the file selector and all the games. Bam. And it works. Now, I, I, uh, I we'll see if I have to stick with that. I've got some other cunning plans, but it is working. And so I did sit around this week uh, and enjoy some lovely Amiga 1000 action for the first time since I got the uh, uh, the since I got the uh, keyboard cable in from Slow Norris, and I sat down and played some games on. I played a, a couple games of Archon Two Boat. I played some Hybris on this thing. Uh, it was glorious, but had a great time. So I'm glad to be back in the game on the Amigo. It's funny that we're both getting back in right about yeah. the same time. It's, yeah, it's, man. it's very we're very fortunate folks, Boat. Speaking of getting back into the Amiga, Aaron, let's talk about Clax. Bam. Let's do it, Boaster. Clax. Well, you know, this is one. I surely you've played this one over the years. Never. Never, not in, not on any version in the arcade. They had this at the, They had this, believe it or not, at the skate arena for a short time. Yeah, I believe that it replaced RoboCop. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. And uh, and I never played it because it it looked like I would not be able to play it for too long on a quarter. And back then, quarters were valuable. You're well. <laughs> you were right, Boat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about clacks. This was actually an interesting. This ended up being more interesting than I thought it would be from a backstory perspective. So, Clax, uh, let's talk about, before we get into the actual uh, Amiga verse, let's talk about the Atari arcade version of this. Uh, released in uh, June of 90, a one- or two-player game designed by a guy named David Akers, uh, who uh, made this, according to what I read, he was looking for to, they were, he was looking to develop a quick game. So, get this. He programmed Clax in a few weeks. Okay. Okay. How did he program a boat? Amiga Basic. Mm. This was developed. The Amiga version of this uh, was developed simultaneously with the arcade version. Okay. And so that's why these both got released so quickly. The Amiga version also came out in '90. Uh, so effectively, they were using the, they they ported the Amiga DOS version line by line into C. 
okay and then and then then they made the arcade version of this um so uh this was a big hit in the arcades uh, according to uh, Japanese arcade uh, uh, game uh, for, you know, they would sell these magazines to distributors. Right. Trade magazines. Uh, it was it was like that was like number eight for the year or seventh. It was the seventh most successful game of 1990. Mm-hmm. Not bad uh, over there. Uh, and so Atari determined, determined quickly that this was a uh, a big hit for them. And, and of course, Atari did all the hits they could get. Yeah. And so yeah. they went to work on clacks. And let me tell you something. We've been doing this show a long time. I don't think I've ever seen any game that was more widely ported than Clax. You may be right. Uh, and I you may be right about that. The only thing I could think of that would be in the running would be Dragon's Lair. Because well, that one's, you know, ported yeah, everything. Yeah. I, You know, in my opinion, I think the most ported game of all time is Frogger. You can't find anything that don't got Frogger on it. Yeah, well, this would be this but is in the ballpark. This is I'm, up there. This is up. I mean, there. I'm looking at this list, and I just know. I, just think of any system you can. It, I mean, this had a Sam Coupe port boat. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this was on air. All the handhelds got it. Everything got this. Everything. This was. This is something I thought was real interesting, Boaster. This that got an Atari twenty six hundred port. Right. It was released. In 1990, it was the last game ever made for that system before it was discontinued. I was floored when I saw it because you, you know saw- I was I was doing some research and I saw that there was a and I was like I've got to see this and I looked at it and I was like holy cow I cannot believe that this actually did came you, out on the 2600. But check yeah, check it out. I yeah. didn't look at it. How's it look? It bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the version you want to play. You want but nothing. You can to see do how it. they could do it. They just wouldn't have the blocks flip over. It wouldn't be that tough to do. Because no, really, no. there's not much to it. So, what is Clax? Uh, well, uh, the Amiga version. This was developed by Teak. All right. So Teak is a, they. They are a manufacturer. Of, oh, never mind. It's. I was going to say T E A C. It's They're actually like a hi-fi te- manufacturer. Well, it okay. could be Teak. It also could be Tech. Mm, if you depend yeah. on how you pronounce that, Tech probably is. That's probably it's T E Q U E. Mm. So you figured I'm out certain, yourself. Yeah. Uh, coded by a guy named Pete Harap, who had. Uh, I'm afraid we may see this game sooner or later. He did the Flintstones. <laughs> I didn't want to give you the ideas. Uh, he he also did uh, Pac Mania Soccer Kid, so he did a couple we've uh, done. Uh, the musician for the Amiga version was Matt Furness. Uh, he did a ton of stuff, but uh, he, uh, Lords of Chaos, uh, Outrun Europa, uh, Tubin, uh, Ultima Six. He did a lot of stuff. Uh, so these guys came together and again. This th- this was in development at the same time the arcade game was. So if you put these things side by side. This is one of those versions that actually is probably better looking than the arcade. In fact, I've put a little comparison video together here. And if you are watching at home, you can see that the, uh, uh, well, as I get this thing started, you'll notice that the the arcade version is not that dissimilar at all to the Amiga version. It's very close. In fact, the Amiga version, uh, uh, it looks shinier and sort of... uh, has better depth, I yeah. think, than the arcade version. I agree so with you there. Mm-hmm. They're very close, but I mean, uh, and certainly it's easier to see. That's for darn sure. So I would, I actually prefer the way the Amiga version looks. Now I will say, I like the arcade version. Just makes a sound that the Amiga doesn't quite pull off. The Amiga doesn't quite pull off the samples like the arcade version, but it's still it's close enough. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it, and it's it's got all the stuff in there. So. What do you do in Clax? Do you want to, Bo, you're a puzzle guy. Do you want to try to explain this in a way that people can understand as opposed to the way I would do it? Sure. So Clax is a falling block puzzle game. 
much in the same way that you'd play Tetris or Dr. Mario or Poyo Poyo, you've, you start, you've got blocks, you've got objects that are falling from the top and you've got to arrange those blocks in patterns in a well to score points and to clear them off the screen. If your well fills up, then the game is over. You lose a life. Uh, there are different colored blocks in clacks, and your job as the player is to uh, arrange those blocks in certain patterns. So in some stages, uh, your goal is to arrange to just get three in a row. If you get three in a row, that's what's called a, uh, a clacks, and then you, you move on. Okay. Um, in uh, in other stages, you score claxes by uh, arranging the uh, the the blocks in diagonal patterns, um, and and so on. So there, there. That's that's sort of the variety in the game. Uh, I believe that there are five different colors of blocks at first. Uh, no, there's actually si at first there are six. Okay. But then eventually they actually add more colors. So there are six at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. And so the challenge comes from, you know, you having to manage all of these other colored blocks while you're working towards your goal, okay? What makes Clax unique in terms of falling object puzzles is the fact that you can stack blocks on your, on your dropper, essentially. So instead of a game like Tetris, where the blocks fall basically through the air and you control the blocks as they fall into the well, the blocks fall in different positions as they make their way down a conveyor belt. You catch them on a catcher, uh, sort of a little shelf, and you stack the blocks up there in whatever way that you choose, and uh, and there and that's how you drop the blocks. So you've got to sort of reframe your mind when you play this game because it doesn't work the same way that most other games in this genre do. Um, instead of the blocks automatically falling into the well, you have to catch them and drop them in yourself. So this game requires a lot more dexterity, even at the beginning, than a normal falling puzzle game. Because if you don't catch the blocks onto your catcher, onto your onto your shelf, uh, the blocks fall to the to the ground. And if you let a certain number fall to the ground, it's game over. So you have multiple things that you're working on at once. You've got to stack blocks and patterns. You've got to catch the blocks on your catcher, and you've got to drop the blocks in a specific order to get them to form the blocks in, in order to form the patterns that you need to advance the level. That's essentially how you play Clax. It, I will say, I tried to picture this. I was trying. To, I was listening. It was a great description. I was like, well, if I was listening to this on podcast, how? What's the easiest way to describe Clax? Picture a long conveyor belt, and you're a guy at the end of the conveyor belt with a skillet. And blocks come down the conveyor belt and fall, and you catch them on that skillet, and you can hold a certain amount of blocks on it, and eventually you have to dump them to the stacks below you. That's the, If you're going to try to visualize, that's the way I always did it. Uh, now, what makes Clack, Clacks interesting is, uh, like Boat said, there's a lot of uh, uh, speed uh, involved in getting your little, your little skillet around to catch the blocks as they come down the conveyor belt. And they come faster... Uh, as you go further, and also they'll more will come. They'll come in quicker, you know. And so you have to. It's really you have to sort of do two things at once. You have to make sure you catch the blocks. Plus, you've got to have be thinking about how you want to arrange the blocks below you. And that's the key to this is is distributing these blocks below you. Now, 
what can you do in this game? You can move the you can move the little grabber around. You can hit the button to drop blocks, but you can also throw blocks back onto the conveyor belt. If you hit up, it'll throw a block back on top of the conveyor belt a little a little ways. And you can do this to reshuffle the 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 blocks on your on your grabber, and it's that becomes key, especially later on. I'm going to be uh, honest with you, Aaron. I did not know yeah. that. That might have that might have made me a better player if I would have known that. Oh, you didn't know you could. I throw didn't know the about being able to throw up. it back up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing you didn't get too far in this one, did you, Boaster? I had trouble with this one. Yeah, this is this is like if you're one of these people that likes to sit back with like a game of Tetris and chill, you know, play a few rounds. The clocks ain't the game for you. This is like someone said. Uh, other puzzle games aren't manic enough. We've got to and <laughs> we've got to make you got to make you nervous. Mm-hmm. And so and they do it. When you when you miss a block with your grabber and it falls down, your first thought would be like, "Okay, it's just going to fall onto the stack." No, which and they could have done that as a gameplay element, but they did not. Uh, and you can only drop at the beginning; you only drop three of these blocks, and then and then you're out. Uh, so uh, and that could happen lickety split. Mm-hmm. You can also, if you hold too many of the blocks on top of your grabber, that's a drop, and so that that's another way you can go down. When you first, this game's funny. At first, it says, "Listen." Put three blocks in a row to make a clax. Okay, you need. To, I think at the first level we had to do four or five claxes. Quickly, you realize that stacking blocks on one on top of the other while it works is not worth jack because the points you get for that are minuscule. And to give it to give an example, there's a level fairly early on where you have to get ten thousand points on one on on a round. Mm-hmm. And that, I think stacking, that was the, that was the level that I never beat. Yeah, if you're stacking three colors, let's say you have three greens, you stack them in a row. I think that's worth like fifty points. Yeah. <laughs> if you stack them diagonally, it's like five thousand points. And I think if you do a five block clax, it's worth like ten thousand. But some ludicrous amount. Like you can clear that level in like two drops if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, but if you don't, you look like an idiot, and you can sit there and slave away at it, getting fifty points a pop. Because that's not the way you do it. And certain levels are going to have certain requirements. Certain levels just want you to get three claxes or five claxes. Certain levels want you to get four or five claxes, but they have to be diagonal. That's when the second that level comes out, it instantly gets ten times harder. Uh, because the, making diagonal claxes is difficult in, at first, and once you until you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you did did you when I know you got to that level? It's pretty early. How did you have any trouble getting into the, your mind into the mindset of getting those uh, diagonal claxes? Well, I mean, the, yes, yes, and I'll tell you why. I it took me a while to even figure out that orange and yellow were different colors in yeah. this game. Yes. And dark, I got so yeah. frustrated because I would do what I thought the game was wanting me to do. And I was like, what am I what am I doing wrong here? And I think I even took a screenshot and I posted it on Discord. I'm like, listen, guys, I don't know how to play this game because I, I is this not right? And Pix was like, yeah, orange and yellow are different colors. And I was yeah. like, oh, they are so similar. They're so it similar. Is- it is the that is the worst one uh, of the bunch. There's that's the only one that's really you have to really differentiate. Is that I mean you, the other ones you can differentiate pretty pretty easy. But yeah, I yeah. understand that. Another thing that I have a problem with is I I just think that there are too many colors in from the get go in this game. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, it, the fact that it gets worse is mind blowing to me. Yeah, they um, add pink and some fluorescence and stuff. It gets if a you, lot. If you've played hard. a lot, if you've played a lot of these falling block puzzle games. I can't think of another game that has six separate colors in it. 
I mean, like if you're if you're talking about, you know, like Puzzle Fighter or something like that or Dr. Mario or Poyo Poyo or whatever, um, it just maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I just it seemed like there was one too many. There were one too many colors in this thing. And, and even from the get go, like you said, it was not a pleasurable experience for me to play this yeah. game. It, it, it just it, it was it was too manic. And part of it was there were too many colors. And another thing is that. I am one of these players that takes a tremendous amount of pleasure in letting my sort of my well, like whenever I'm playing Tetris, you know, if you make a couple mistakes in Tetris, you can dig yourself out of it and then you feel like a stud because, you know, if you're almost dead, you dig yourself out. In this game, there's no digging yourself out of it. Like it's very, very difficult because your well, I believe, is only six, six deep. You can throw six blocks down and then it's a, it's to the top versus in Tetris. I mean, it's like 40. You know, there are 40, 40 blocks or something like that you can fill up. So that's that's the other major problem that I had with this game. It's funny. I I used to go to the Kentucky Arcade at Lexington on campus at the at UK back in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, mid 90s. And they had this game. So I that's where I first saw it, and uh, of course I saw it come out on every system on earth. I have never played this game until this week. I knew of it; mm-hmm. I mean, it was everywhere, and it was also part of compilation. But I never played it, and so and I wasn't licking my chops to play it because I didn't understand how you played it. And much like yourself, it took me a good while to wrap my head around the concepts that this game presents because this is an unusual puzzle game with the added urgency element Mm -hmm. um the the fact of the matter is uh you you have to learn you have to train your mind to understand how you want those blocks to line out and i went and watched some real world-class players play this and which i'm not not even close and if you watch them play it you it just makes you nervous because Mm -hmm. they have their clacks field the bottom of it almost completely full all the time yeah, but they've built it in a certain way. That's how you get the they, big points, I bet. And they will throw backs block. They throw those blocks back up onto the conveyor belt all the time to mm-hmm. try to get the shuffle they need. Mm-hmm. And you have to know what you're looking for. Uh, it's tricky, and I I can only tell you that I got. I want to say I got eight levels in something like that at mm-hmm. my best, uh, but it's it's it can be difficult. Uh, diagonals. One of the problems is the is the uh, is knowing when you've got one because the it's not the game's fault, but it can be tricky to look at those blocks. It, yeah, and see you how they're stacked. You wouldn't think that it would be tricky to see, but I understand completely what you're talking about. It's yeah. the weird isometric way that the blocks are presented, yeah. and you can't blame the blocks. It's just you have to your mind because I mean it's structured. It's all out there, but you have to train your mind to comprehend things the, the way the game wants. Right, uh, right. And, and to get yourself in tune with it. it it's funny, Clax, I had sort of a manic minor moment uh, with this thing. It's where I, I hated it, I hated it, I hated it, I couldn't get anywhere on it. And then I had an epiphany at some point, and it, I'm not saying I suddenly became great, but I got better mm-hmm. because I understood a little more as to what the structure of the game was. I'm telling you, some of those levels was just killing me because I was just Mickey Mouse and the clacks is three clacks, three clacks. You can match up a clacks, three colors uh, up or down, left or right, or diagonally, and you can go up to five. Yeah. And so you get big bonuses, uh, point bonuses, when you double up on your clacks. Let's say you get five across and three up and down. 
that's a big bonus you were, you're getting there. Right, and so right. you could really play the point game. I watched a guy who talked about uh, his technique for getting, he was getting millions, I think he was getting like 9 million points by the fourth level. And it was all strategically building these clocks. Uh, this, this, and and here's the thing, way. you know, this is much like every puzzle game. If you play something long enough like this, you're going to get good at it and you're going to be a star compared to all your friends that didn't put the time in. But this game didn't give me any reason to want to achieve that because it made me feel nervous the whole time I played it. It does. And that's it not does. the kind of feeling that I want when I play a puzzle game. I um, think this. I think this is a puzzle game for a different crowd. Mm-hmm. I really do, and I think this is a puzzle game for people that wouldn't normally give a crap about puzzle games. I think that's what they went for here, and I think to a certain degree they pull it off. Now you know me, but I get nervous playing chess and stuff. I don't like. I'm like you. I'm kind of a laid back guy. I don't like to be freaking out. And when you're whipping that catcher back and forth across that uh, across the that pl- that the conveyor belt, I mean that gets real. Uh, iffy real quick you know and then you start to get really nervous and also when you get stuck with blocks you don't they're not the blocks you need you just sort of dump them down Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take too long before everything below you is garbage you don't see a way out i mean to me if they would have done one of three things i would have enjoyed this game a lot more if they would have decreased the number of colors or if they would have not if they would have made the catcher optional like if the blocks would have just fallen into the well on their own you wouldn't have to catch them or if they may, would have made the well a little bit deeper and given you more room to play. Yeah. If they would have done either of those three things, I feel like I would have liked this game a lot more. But that would have that would have ch- fundamentally changed. The oh, way this game absolutely. Feels. It would have been a different game. Yeah. No question. So, about it. Uh, I, like I said, the popularity of this game. Well, uh, here's the thing. You say this game is popular. Yeah. It certainly got a lot of releases, but it, it came out at the heyday of the console and computer craze. I would wager that there were five times as many consoles and different computers. Like if you look at different formats in 1990, than there were, than there are today. Like if you think about it, like think about like the links was still a thing. You had the game boy, you had all of the wacky eight bit computers were still kicking around in 1990. They were still legit. The 2600 was still legit. Apparently, you know, so you had, it got a ton of ports. I'm not so sure that this game is an all time great, even though it did get so many ports, it just happened to come out in a time where you could put port it to a lot of stuff. Cause there was a lot of stuff on the market. Well, I, I, first of all, I, I'm not saying it's an all time great. There's no, I definitely wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I will say this. Here's a game that had success in the arcades, obviously, you know, from what we've read. Mm -hmm. And it's an easy game to port and it will will run on every system. Right. Okay. I would be interested to see how this looks on the ZX, given the color limitations. Uh, That would be interesting to see how they pulled that off. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, I I, I think the game was ported to all those systems because it's, it's, it's easy to port. Plus... I think that uh, this puzzle games are always a pretty good bet. And this is a, I would call this a good, unique puzzle game. I don't think yeah. I've played a puzzle game like it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of games just like, my, that's Tetris or my, that's a three in a row thing. This game is on a whole different level and it requires sure. a, a unique combination of talents that just because you're good at a certain game doesn't trust me. When I was watching the guy set the world record on this at the top levels, it takes a certain type of genius 
that can pull this off that, I, I mean, it was so far beyond my ability to even comprehend that I don't know how he could possibly do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I'm sure those people, I, I was at, has this aged well? I don't know. I think this is not the kind of game you're going to play on your cell phone. I don't think. I just think it's too uh, manic. I'd be. <laughs> this is definitely something. You I don't know how. Yeah. I, now, you know, it would be interesting to see, and maybe somebody in the chat can let us know if there is an iOS or Android port of Clax out there. But I agree with you. I don't know how you do this one on the mobile. It, it does make sense to me. You know, I will say I was reading some uh, some some of the. By the way, just to put this in perspective, uh, this did win a ton of awards, boat, uh, and and it was actually. Uh, it mentioned it, it gets mentioned a lot in like uh, for example, this is another one of those games on that one thousand and one video games you must play before you die thing. This won awards the year it was released uh, in the arcade uh, for uh, uh, for its ingenuity and it, it, uh, it got an award for uh, being good for kids. I, you know, I think it, at the time too, the arcade industry was really floundering, and so I feel like a sort of I'm I I'm not sort of I guess I am. I think that if this game would have been released at a different time, it wouldn't have got the accolades that it did. Think about in 1990, the arcade scene was floundering and they were on the hunt for anything that was remotely popular. So this, this game had had timing on its side. You know, this is pre Street Fighter 2. Uh, th- there wasn't really a whole lot going on in the arcade at this time. How about this? 1991, you've heard of a, a magazine called Amiga Power. Mm-hmm. It rated this the 26th best Amiga game of all time. Okay, yeah, I'm quite a saying, feat for a game that was only released one year earlier. Hey, I, all I'm saying is the people liked this game a, a lot when it was out, yeah. and it did well. I mean, it was ballyhooed by the press. Sure How about that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought was amusing, though, here I'm going to flip down to it. So, uh, again, we mentioned this got released on everything, uh, right? So uh, one of the guys who programs this thing actually put a Easter egg in it, and it was a wedding proposal. Hmm. And it, and his wife found it. It took I think it took it took three years to ever find this wedding proposal. It was like an Easter egg in the game, which I thought that was kind of cool, uh, kind of a neat thing. Uh, in terms of the Amiga Press, uh, this has a review on Lemon seven point seven seven the sevens. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, Amiga Action gave it an 82. Amiga Format gave it an 88. Amiga Joker, they dug it, my friend. 94%. It's one of the highest Amiga Jokers we've ever seen. That's true. Amiga Power, well, it, five mean, out of five. It's an it's a stellar port, an absolutely yeah. stellar it's port. Not, technically, it's not even a port. It was yeah. developed at the same time. Right, uh, right. Your Amiga gave it a 95. And I like Lemons added this little extra part here. Average magazine rating for this, 87%. Mm. So I think that's pretty, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, do uh, we get any discord action on this, by the way? Yeah. Before we do pixels at dawn, he says there's a spiritual successor from the creator of Clax called starburst. So if you mm. are a fan of Clax and you want to st- check out, you know what the creator did uh, next, you can, you can check that out. Never Apparently heard of there that. aren't, uh, there are conflicting reports about its Android availability, but there is no iOS port of Clax that people in the chat could find. Uh, we did get some discord reviews on this one, Aaron. Um, let's see. We'll fire things off with pixels at dawn. He says my experience with match three. Oh no, that's, that's vegetable. Sorry. He says clocks is an item matching game in the tradition of Tetris and Poyo Poyo. This is sufficiently different to be unique. However, with the forward view of tiles approaching the catching mechanic and the opportunity to stack up tiles before deploying them. The problem I have with this is that it starts hard and just gets harder. I got the same feeling playing this that I did from those frantic last seconds of a failed game of Tetris. But this is all the time. 
<laughs> After a few games in a session, I had to put it down exhausted. Graphically, it's good enough for 1990, but the dithering makes it kind of ugly, and the yellow and orange tiles are almost identical. The sound effects are fun and arguably an improvement on the arcade. I wish this had a better difficulty curve, but as it is, this is a no from me. Five out of ten. Mm. Level Lord writes... Super simple game where I am matching colors and with each level, the amount of colored blocks I need to match is increasing. There's no music during the intro nor during the gameplay. Actually, there's no music at all. The sound is limited to the super annoying sound effects and the graphics are primitive, something that we could see on the Nintendo platform of the era. Since the game is made by Atari games, I'm assuming this is a straight port from the ST, hence the audio graphics quality. Sorry, Level Lord, you're wrong. The The arcade version looks worse. Uh, playability is not here as well. I was bored in the first minute of the game and then annoyed by the irritating sound effects. After completing the second wave, I realized I will have more fun writing down this short review than continuing playing Clax. Score for me is 3 out of 10, 1 for the programming effort, 1 for the actual explanation of how the game is played during the intro, and 1 for the Amiga support. At least there's the great Crack Pro music by Prodigy. You know, Aaron, we didn't talk about that, but one of the things that is sort of endearing to me about most puzzle games is the fact that they have pretty good music. Yeah. You think about the the classic themes of Tetris, the classic themes of Dr. Mario. Yeah. This game has yeah. none of that, and, and, it, oh. and it suffers for it. It really does. You know, it's funny you should mention that, because when I, when I loaded this up to play it and I heard no music, I thought to myself, huh, maybe uh, what's going on here? Maybe I got a verse and the music's gone or whatever. So I loaded up the arcade. I played this in the arcade probably about half as much as I played the Amiga version. It's a, it, it has no music. I mean, yeah. so that's that. I mean, so depending on how you look at it, could they have added music? Yes. Did they know? And uh, they probably should have, but I, I will say it's an honest port from the arcade because it had no music at all. Chris Folds writes, late review, but I like it a lot. One of my favorite Amiga action puzzle type games, and I never had problems with the colors myself. Only issue is they didn't tone it down for home keeping the arcade level of coin munching when they could have added a more steady strategic mode. And that is something that we didn't really yeah. talk about is that this game was designed to take money out of your pocket and not give you a long playtime. So yeah, you can't undersell that too. Uh, Frodo and L writes, I used to play this on the Speccy and later on some other systems. The Amiga version is easily one of the best versions out there. I will always prefer Tetris, but Clax is one of the very few games that comes close to it to me. 7.5 out of 10. And Graham W. Vebke writes, This is a decent version of Clax, though he's more familiar with the PC Engine and Sharp X68000 versions. As a fan of puzzle games, it does appeal to me. It takes the tried and trusted color and block matching formula and adds a difference, where the matching is not done on the play field itself, but in a well area. You do get to stack multiple tiles, and most of the skill is in mastering the well area. Overall, it's a decent game, but it's not one for having a relaxing time, and I prefer Tetris DX still for these types of games. 7 out of 10. So that's going to wrap it up. We got a lot of reviews on the old Discord this week, Aaron. Always good to see that. And remember, if you're a member of our Discord community, please feel free to leave us a review for us to read on the show each week. You know, one thing I want to mention is we're tailing off here on the old... uh, on the old clacks, two player simultaneous play that does gives it give it some uh, jack mm-hmm. uh, right there because I mean th- I, 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 that would be a fun way to play it which I didn't get to play like that but I do I do appreciate the fact that it's in there uh, that's always a good time having a puzzle game with your buddy uh, real quick I looked this up on the eBay to see what they were going for uh, you can get this the disc only I saw a sucker selling it for fifteen bucks uh, you can get these complete in box if you're in the UK 
I saw them ranging anywhere from 16 to 35 US dollars. So there mm. you go, Boatster. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, as we close things out, it's time that we uh, take a quick look over at our Discord community. We still have the Parasol Stars High Score Challenge going on. That's going to run for a couple more weeks. We've recently started a new High Score Challenge for the ZX Spectrum, Aaron. And uh, this week we are going to another games game. It's Daily Thompson's Decathlon. Oh, Aaron. Yes, yes. So if if you if you want to get in a score for Daily Thompson's Decathlon, feel free to. We did have a winner of the previous game, which was more T Vicker. We want to congratulate Z9K9 for absolutely destroying the competition yeah. with a score almost four <laughs> times as much as the second place. He's, he's Z9K9, a man among men when it comes to the high scores. I can't remember. Were we good at the decathlon game or did we suck? We were uh, okay, I think we, weren't we? I, I think we were okay. I think we okay. were okay. All right, Aaron. Um, Now, you may be asking, how can we listen to the Amigos live? Well, we stream live every Friday at around 5 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. Twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. And we have people that like to support the show through Twitch. You can be one of you all, fair listener. So uh, I want to take a second to read all of those people now because those people really do make a difference in the future of the show. We've got Frodo NL, Lord Soup, Gary Heather, The Slow Norris, L. Curtis B., Smregdiger, Retro Jerry, Da. Crabs, MTG, <laughs> Wild, Wide World of Retro, Macintosh Librarian, Blah Blah 5372, Captain Chaos, DK, Pints and Amiga, Jost 80, Blue Train, Wing Chun Wolf, Z9K9, Rule of Thirds, Christian Russell, Buck Owens, Negsol, Paul Kitching, Lamasta, Mitsuyama, Uber Scuba Diver, Piplo, Googlebox, Jigglebox, and Eeyore four zero seven seven. Thank you, you guys two so boxes much. in there. There, no, I, I just mispronounced it the first oh, time. Oh man, you know that's what they call me in France, boat La Master. I like mm, that. That's yeah. cool, man. That I'll have to go with master, you next time I'm over the there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's sort of like what, how do you how do they say the lariat in Japanese? Lariato. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Now, last week for the Patreon song, we had uh, quite a few entries, uh, quite a few winning entries. Uh, the song last week was Blackbird by the Beatles. Uh, L. Curtis Boyle got it right. Pixels at Dawn, Frodo NL, Paul Kitching, Daniel Crabtree, Jigglebox, Mitsuyama, CBM Nut, and Pac Billy. Congratulations, one and all, Even I knew for that getting one. that one. Yeah. All right. Here we go, Aaron. I'm taking it old school this week. For the past oh, month, God. we've had the full band arrangement. We've done some stuff. Uh, me and the boss man did a did a did a duet. Um, we've got another full band Patreon song arrangement coming down very very soon. But this week I'm doing it la vocalese, as they say. Lay it on me. <clears throat> oh, you had to move the mic like a pro. Look at you. Go ahead. Crazy. See Loomis William Vinterscar Heavy Systems Inc. Bundy Frag Lord Mark Bailen Oh Love Hope 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 That was the entry. <laughs> Hermsky Jonah aka Simulant Ethan Little Alien Breeder Dave Velociraptor 
Cowboy Boy Lane Denson, Luke Hudson, John Cook bombed the base, Frodo in L, Soul Incisor, Tech Major, and Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorg Club, Commodore Kid. Reflection, Simon Ledge, Cap'n Crispy, Kilobytes, and Caffeine, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobsterminator, Ten Minute Amiga, Retro Cast, Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Coletta, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean Zobach, Bid, Roland Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, Leaf Kellahound, Alan Kebab, Chekote Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, <laughs> Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stephen Sorgott Mortensen, Evan Helen, Blend of 75, Christopher Hassel, uh, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, or Giroux, Graham Vipkeen, Adam Battis, B. O'Brien's Retro Vintage, Gary Gary Huckapaul, Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Owls, tapes from the crib, Josh Nat and Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy Humbushtad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Wons, Pixels at Dawn, and Kyobion Barman. You're going to try to tell me that was a song? It was. It's like someone was slowly burning Joe Cocker, and then it put a mic in his face. That's what that reminds me of. That wasn't range. That was that was a cry for help. Is what that was. That was pain. Horrible, dreadful. There's no way anyone's getting that. If that's a song, I will be darned. There's no chance that's a song. You made that entire thing up. Well, we will. Uh, we will wait and see. We will wait and see. Who I'm always surprised. Always, who is it? Always gets these. Pack Billy. Pack Billy is the undisputed pack. champion of the Patreon song. If he's the jack of pack, if he can get it done, I will be stunned on this one. <laughs> All right, Lord. Aaron. Well, uh, of course, before we go, we would be remiss to not 
thank our illustrious chat participants who have joined us. You should us apologize live. for the chat participants after that. No way, man. No way. That, I feel, was my finest hour. Uh, of yeah. course, we couldn't leave without saying hi to our moderators. They wield the band hammer with apalm. Aplomb. Alpalm. What the hell does that mean? Al Borlin. What are you um, talking? Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn. Thank you guys Somebody so call much. Call an ambulance. It's <laughs> happening to you. <laughs> of course, and we've also got tons and tons of folks in the chat with us. We got uh, Ball Eight Five Seven is here. Uh, Barkbit, Brock One Hundred One, Buck Owens. We got Carbot, Christian <laughs> Russell. Uh, we've got Eor Four Hundred Seven Seven. Electrical Longboard, Frodo NL, Great Owl G, Gunner Warhorse, uh, Hamo One, Hermski, Jason Warns, Johnny Renegade, Kasserin is with us, L, Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, Allrom, Olaf Hope, Picard 2010, R Typer, Razorg, Richard Train, Rob, Flack, O'Hara, Silly Gnome, uh, Sin Lao, Super Cruiser 5000, Super Tech Boy, Tom Toms, Tim9157, and Vigoro Pros, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much for being with us this evening. We really appreciate it. Yes, and thank you for enduring. <laughs> All right. So, next week, Aaron, get ready because it's our very first episode of the new Edutainment uh, category oh, on Amigos. You've also inflated Brent's ego by calling it that. <laughs> so what, that, what, that what will, are we looking at? Uh, we're going to be looking at the one and only Mavis Beacon teaches typing. Come this again? Was, this Wait a was minute, a, back up. What are we doing? You've never, you've never been down with the MB? We're Mavis, Mavis Beacon, Beacon, man. typing tutor? Mavis Beacon teaches typing. There's a game in there. This was suggested to somebody? Yep. There's a game in there, and we're going to find it. Graham Vebke suggested this to the Amigos (laughs) Game Selection Committee. You can take it up with him, Aaron. Uh, And, of course, we want to thank the one and only Chris Foltz for suggesting clacks to the AGSC. And, of course, we thank the AGSC for selecting this game for us. I'm excited about this next week, Aaron. I'm excited about the brave new world of edutainment. I will say, since Clax was too fast and tough for you, maybe we could relax by just watching you hit a couple keys to the keyboard and seeing the letter appear. Hey, man. That's your game right there. That's my game right there. I love it. All right, guys. We will see you next week for Mavis Beacon. Until then, adios. Adios.